安装四 G 线上影视 APP， 只要有网路，四十个免费频道让你随时轻松看。想看精彩戏剧，想掌握即时新闻，还有两万小时的影片，通通免费看，还等什么？现在安装四 G 线上影视 APP， 精彩节目让你随时随地想看就看。The Fenyuan Township Office in Zhanghua County is offering a 10,000 NT reward to whoever can figure out how to open a 100-year-old safe found at a nearby historical site. Experts have already tried to crack it, but so far none have been successful. To make things even more exciting, no one has a clue what lies inside. Will someone come along who is finally able to solve the mystery of this safe? Let's take a look. The lock expert from Gaoxiong slowly turns the wheel, listening carefully. By picking out the sounds of the gears turning within, he hopes to find the correct password. <laughs> However, after over an hour, he is unable to unlock it. This iron safe is almost 100 years old, and there are three components to opening it. A wheel, a keyhole, and a handle. Each poses a significant challenge. The handle is a little bit corroded, so we may need to find a way around that. As for the keyhole, I think its mechanism is linked, so I may need some special tools. It's been too long since it's been opened. It's all rusted shut in here. Most likely, the inside is broken, and there's no way to open it. To find out the secret to opening the 100-year-old safe, Zhanghua County's Fenyuan Township Office is offering a reward of 10,000 NT to an expert who can open the safe without damaging it. We originally offered a reward of 5,000 NT, and one person after another came to try to open it, but no one has succeeded yet. Mr. Gu from Gaoxiang got the farthest out of anyone, and he tried for more than an hour. Then we thought that since we really want to open it, we will raise the amount to 10,000 NT. The century-old safe was found during the renovation of a local historical site. But what treasures lie hidden inside? The township office is still waiting for an expert to decipher the lock. But they also stress that according to law, when the code is finally cracked, the contents inside the safe are public property. An art festival in the heart of rural Jiayi County aims to give locals and visitors fresh perspectives on the rural county. The slogan of the Re-Jiayi Festival is Art Action in the Countryside. It features dozens of different kinds of artistic shows and events over the next month. Four rural townships will host fashion shows, environmental artworks, creative baking exhibitions and more. Professional models take to the catwalk in the square in front of Zhongpu Township Council. To promote the arts of Jai Townships, the festival showcases 15 pieces of land art and 24 pieces of participatory performance art spread over four townships along Provincial Highway 3, Zhuqi, Fanlu, Zhongpu and Dapu. The artists come from all over Taiwan and 11 local communities in Jai. So each piece of art in each participating community is like a pearl. We want to show everyone how precious each plate and each piece of land is. And they're all exceptional, a string of pearls. We wanted to discover the unique essence of Taiwan, and we found the wheat of Dongshu Township in Jiayi County. The wheat is 100% produced in Taiwan. It's the pride of Jiayi, and it's a great honor for me. 
Celebrity baker Wu Baochun is part of the lineup. Working with a local bakery, he's produced sweet treats full of local Jiayi flavors. The festival continues until November 6th, with events every weekend, including art performances, children's games, markets, and picnics. Firstly, we want local Jiayi people to have a fresh look at their lives. Secondly, we want people across Taiwan to take a new look at a different kind of Jiayi. So the art actions of Ri Jiayi are a five-year event. We want to reflect on our culture in Jiayi, like a kind of overall health checkup, as well as hold a general expo to which we can welcome the whole country to come and join in. The festival's organizers hope to give tourists a deeper and broader sense of culture in Jiayi County, beyond the stereotypes. As local elections draw near, campaign ads are everywhere. But have you noticed that many candidates seem much younger and more glamorous than they do in real life? Extensive, extensive editing of campaign photos has become a big topic on social media in recent days. We take a look at some ads that are attracting attention and speak to the candidates too. Local election campaigns are in swing, and the ads are everywhere. Some people say these billboard photos of Taipei City Councillor Qin Huizhu seem just too different to the Qin they know from the TV. The difference feels a bit stark. I think she's been edited on the billboard. I've always supported her, so no matter how much they alter the photos or what makeup they use, it doesn't matter. Let's compare the candidates and the adverts side by side. No glasses, the chin is pointier, wrinkles around the eyes are gone, signs of makeup are lighter. The new photos are enough of a change to ignite debate. In another photo, 67-year-old Chin is made up in Korean glamour style. Many people say she's unrecognizable. Lots of people think it doesn't look like me. People even try to guess who it is. I heard a friend gave my photo to lots of people to guess who it was, and only Zhao Shao Kang got it right. Everyone else was wrong. All the photos have been edited, of course, so I think it's natural that they look younger than I do in real life. But Teen is not alone. On social media, commenters claim they can't place this candidate. It's another Taipei city councillor, Che Mei Sha. Others say there's a filter on this photo of Yao Su Hui with its exaggerated cheekbones and sparkly eyes. This giant billboard from DPP Taipei city councillor Wang Shijian takes a different tack. It was taken many years ago when he first joined the council. I've never relied on things like appearances to win and I'm very unphotogenic, so I'm afraid to go and get new photos done. But every day that I'm in Taipei City Council, I still have the same pure attitude that I had in the beginning. Candidates all want to put their best foot forward in their adverts. Who are we to blame them if they allow their teams to get a little bit carried away in the editing studio? Vaccine maker Moderna has announced new clinical data on its next-gen COVID vaccine targeting the BA1 subvariant, which has already rolled out in Taiwan. According to the company, the shot offers a stronger antibody response against BA1 than the original vaccine. The superior antibody response lasts at least 90 days after its administration is a fourth shot, regardless of prior infections. Let's hear from a company representative. 
In the document submitted for the EUA, before the vaccine hit the market, it said that the next-gen vaccine offered a better combined antibody response. Back when the vaccine was approved, the clinical trials had measured the response after 28 days. Moderna keeps studying the effects for 90 days. The company says it is confident in the protection that it's next-gen vaccine that can offer against BA1, but its effect against newer subvariants such as BF7 and BA2.75.2 are unknown. Moderna's representative in Taiwan says the company will continue to investigate the shot's effects on other variants. About 2,000 children are adopted in Taiwan every year. Some of those adoptees go to join new families overseas, and some eventually return to Taiwan to look for their birth family. For the last seven years, the Ministry of Health and Welfare has been assisting such adult adoptees in their search, helping dozens of people successfully track down their birth parents. But many adoptees are still lacking information about their family. I'm searching for you not because I'm angry, just more simply because I want to meet you, I want to know you. 29-year-old Xu Hongda was adopted by a U.S. family at the age of five. He now lives in Taiwan and teaches English. He came to Taiwan to search for his birth family several years ago, with no clues so far. Now he's taking the step to speak out publicly, hoping it might help. Sitting next to him is Ta Fei, who has come here from the Netherlands to search for his family. I hope that I could get to know if my biological mother, how she's doing, um, maybe if she also thinks about me sometimes. Now 24, Tsai was given up for adoption in Shinju as a baby and adopted by a Dutch family at the age of two. He believes at least one of his biological parents is from the Philippines. Seven years ago, the Social and Family Affairs Administration of the Ministry of Health and Welfare set up the Child and Juvenile Adoption Information Center to help people like Tsai and Xu. So far, the center has helped 78 adoptees make contact with their birth families. About 60 to 70 percent of people are still waiting. If they can't find any information, we hope that someone who thinks they might know them might come forward, either through today's press conference or through the bulletin announcements and videos that the center continuously produces. Out of 204 people who have tried to search for the birth family, about 60% have not yet tracked them down. The Social and Family Affairs Administration states that adoptees have the right to know information about their biological parents. Officials hope the public will become more accepting towards parents who give their children up for adoption so that they dare speak up and reunite with their biological children. Washington is in talks with Taiwan to start jointly manufacturing arms, according to a report on the Japanese news outlet Nikkei Asia. A source quoted in the article says the collaboration would increase weapon production capacity for the U.S. while expediting deliveries to Taiwan. Speaking on the matter, the U.S. Department of State says it's looking at all options to ensure the rapid transfer of defensive capabilities to Taiwan. Experts in Taiwan say the plans will likely become a reality, adding that this mode of cooperation would be beneficial to both Taiwan and the U.S. 
The headline in a recent Nikkei Asia article reads, U.S. in talks with Taiwan to co-produce American weapons. The report says the Biden administration is considering a plan to increase production capacity for U.S.-designed arms and speed up their sale to Taiwan to strengthen deterrence against China. The U.S. is looking uh, at all options on the table to ensure that the rapid transfer of defense capabilities to Taiwan can take place uh, as swiftly as possible and consistent with the Taiwan Relations Act and uh, the swift provisions uh, of these technologies and these services uh, we believe are essential uh, to Taiwan's security. According to the Nikkei Asia report, a person with knowledge on the matter says discussions have already started on the matter of joint weapon production. The source says U.S. defense companies will likely provide the technology to produce arms in Taiwan or use Taiwan-made parts to produce them in the U.S. Another source says it will take some time until the plan becomes reality, as the discussion process could continue through 2023. The report says that the Biden administration hopes to expedite arms transfers through the co-production agreement. It adds that currently, up to 10 years can transpire between the time that the U.S. government approves the arms sale and the time that the arms are delivered. The report also says that with U.S. military estimates saying that China could have the capabilities to seize Taiwan by 2027, Taiwan has limited time to boost its self-defense capabilities. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has put an extra load on U.S. weapon manufacturing production lines as Washington supplies military aid to Ukraine. This has pushed back the delivery of arms shipments to Taiwan. Experts say that that and a number of other factors make it very probable that Taiwan and the U.S. will cooperate in weapons manufacturing. This would allow several things. First of all, faster deliveries. Second, is Taiwan could access these technology transfers. Third, it's in line with what the U.S. always says, that Taiwan should have reserves. So from these three factors, it seems that it is a feasible plan that would be beneficial to both parties. According to a recent poll of U.S. citizens by the U.S.-based Pew Research Center, 82% of respondents said cross-strait tensions were serious or very serious. In addition, 54% of respondents said the U.S. should prioritize visits by high-level U.S. officials to Taiwan, even if it comes at the expense of Washington's ties with Beijing. It seems that standing up for Taiwan while being wary of China is not just a mainstream opinion in Taiwan, but also internationally. During the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party, Chinese Vice Foreign Minister Ma Zhaoxu touted China's diplomatic achievements over the past 10 years. Among them, he said, was managing to get nine countries to break their official diplomatic ties with Taiwan. His comments have been rejected by a DPP lawmaker who says what China has actually done is to drive up unprecedented support for Taiwan from Democratic allies. Let's hear from them. We vigorously fought back against the rebellious actions by Pelosi. We have resolutely opposed any acts of Taiwan independence, and we resolutely curbed any interference by foreign forces to strengthen the international consensus that there is one China. In face of external pressure and unreasonable interference, we responded with a struggle of the same magnitude and won over nine of the so-called allies of the Taiwan authorities. 
That further consolidated the international community's recognition of one China. He sounds so proud, but actually, he was just exposing his shortcomings. He boasts about having made nine countries break ties with Taiwan, but in reality, China's actions have spurred unprecedented support for Taiwan from like-minded democracies, politicians, and parliamentarians around the world. At the National Congress, Ma also accused certain countries of clinging to a Cold War mentality and a zero-sum game mindset to stoke bloc confrontation. DPP lawmaker Zhao Tianling says that it's actually China's wolf warrior diplomacy that has made Beijing's foreign relations deteriorate to their current poor state. At the opening of the Chinese Communist Party's 20th National Congress, Chinese leader Xi Jinping restated that China would not rule out military force against Taiwan. In response to Beijing's rhetoric, Chen Mingtong, the director general of National Security Bureau, stated that China would have no chance of winning if it attacks Taiwan. He added that Xi would become a sinner of the Chinese people. Let's hear more of what he had to say. In his opening speech at the 20th National Congress, Chinese President Xi Jinping stressed that he would not renounce the use of force against Taiwan. Xi also targeted Taiwanese independence and external forces supposedly involved with Taiwan. National Security Bureau Director General Chen Mingtong stood up to oppose Xi's rhetoric. We inform the Beijing authorities in earnest that there is no possibility of winning and using force to attack Taiwan. This would result in international economic sanctions against Xi, as well as diplomatic isolation. Xi would forfeit the so-called great rejuvenation of the Chinese people and become a sinner of the Chinese people. Slamming Xi Jinping's wishful scheming, Chen Mingtong analyzes the pros and cons. China's reform and opening up in the past 40 years and its becoming the second largest economy in the world was accomplished without unification with Taiwan. And look at Taiwan. We went from exporting bananas to earn foreign exchange in the post-war period to selling the highest-end chipsets all over the world today. This achievement was made without Chinese rule. Both sides of the Taiwan Strait should respect each other and develop separately. Only then can people be truly happy. Besides the cross-strait situation, opposition party legislators are also concerned about equipment in the National Security Bureau's Special Service Center. Their 10 British-made N-24 sniper rifles have already been in use for more than 20 years. Reports say Taiwan's request for a repurchase was rejected by the UK due to fear of pressure from China. Delivery was delayed because of the pandemic, but now we are repurchasing them. Sniper rifles are not nuclear bombs. They aren't atomic bombs. The UK is such a large country. How can people say that they won't sell sniper rifles because they're afraid of China? Chen stresses that it was all a misunderstanding. The National Security Bureau has also estimated that there will be at least three candidates in the 2024 presidential election. It has budgeted more than 70 million NT for the purchase of security vehicles to allow their work to proceed smoothly. President Tsai Ing-wen on Thursday appointed TSMC founder Morris Zhang as Taiwan's representative to the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum leaders' meeting. The event will take place on November 18th and 19th in Bangkok, Thailand. 
Cheng will be representing Taiwan at the Regional Economic Forum for the sixth time. Tsai says she's taxed him with promoting Taiwan's leadership in the semiconductor industry and Taiwan's willingness to build safe, reliable and resilient supply chains. This year's APEC summit will take place in Thailand on November 18th and 19th. For the fifth time in her term, President Tsai Ing-wen has appointed TSMC founder Morris Chang as Taiwan's representative to the event. It will be Chang's sixth time leading a delegation to the summit. At a time when the global economy is facing major challenges, the members of APEC have a shared responsibility to promote post-pandemic economic development in the Asia-Pacific region. On the front of semiconductors, TSMC has attracted much attention for the pivotal role it plays in the domestic and even global economy. At this critical juncture, appointing Morris Chang as a representative at APEC is the only option. He is irreplaceable. Due to COVID, this year's APEC summit will be the first to be held physically in three years. Tsai says Chang has an important mission to carry out at the event. We must recognize the difference in opinions in the region and work toward finding a balance between free and open trade and fair competition, between supply chain security and efficiency, and between economic development and sustainability. That way we can make substantive progress while abiding by common economic rules. Secondly, we want to draw attention of other countries to Taiwan's key influence in global supply chains, especially in the semiconductor industry, while working together with our regional partners to build safe, reliable and resilient supply chains. Thirdly, we want to demonstrate Taiwan's determination and efforts in the pursuit of sustainable economic development. We are currently in a challenging environment. I will meet with other leaders at many informal events and make the best use of that time. With China's recent escalation of its military provocation in the Taiwan Strait, observers wonder whether Chang will interact with Chinese leader Xi Jinping at the summit. We don't know whether Mr. Xi Jinping will approach our delegate. We don't have any special presumptions. Amid rising cross-strait tensions, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and the escalating U.S.-China trade war, all eyes are set to be on the APEC summit next month.